Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Suns Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on all forms of social media. Follow us here and follow us there for pit sports content you will not want to miss. If you love victory weekends and hate when Pitt's generational athletes go to the pros and, I don't know, maybe hit a rough patch or something, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your Pitt Athletics fix. My name is David. I'm joined, as always, by Squid and Dylan. And gentlemen, let me open up the show by asking you a little riddle. Um, What do this past Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday have in common? For days that end in Y. So close. Keep going. Mm. Did Pitt happen to win an athletics competition on each of those days? As a matter of fact, they did. Squid, we're going to count it. What I was going for was four straight nights of victory lights. Yes, it was a big, big weekend, extended weekend for the University of Pittsburgh Athletics Department. Yeah, Saturday was light up night in Pittsburgh, and Pitt was just doing their part to keep the city extra bright. So how many of those nights were the victory lights actually on? Because I know they go on after football wins and then like select big wins for other teams. Do we know what nights they actually turn them on? We'll just say all four. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think they were, but we'll just say all four. It's it's more of a metaphor that's important. Because Pitt had big, important wins all four days, including doubling up a couple days. So if we want to rehash and we're going to, this is how you know we're gonna we're gonna spend the rest of the episode is talking about a very great weekend for Pitt Athletics. Thursday, the Pitt football team pulls an upset, not an upset if you ask Vegas, but an upset if you are a human that has watched Pitt play football this season. Not an Again, upset Boston College was terrible. I don't know how they have six wins. Friday. Pitt basketball gets the win against a terrible Jacksonville team. They're You're really taking all the fun out of this, aren't you? They're worse at basketball than uh, Boston College is at football. Saturday, I didn't attend, but you guys attended the electric volleyball match that packed the Pete. Does Louisville suck too, or, or are we done ruining everything? No, I think they're actually pretty good i thought what were they ranked coming into that match number four number four that ain't bad well let's also not forget uh a ranked a victory in a a ranked matchup for uh pit wrestling on sunday and i believe over the span we are referring to pit women's soccer won two ncaa tournament games to advance to the elite eight that ain't bad no, especially considering what the fall has looked like thus far for us. This is this was a much-needed pick-me-up. Yeah, I think I, I forgot what it was like to experience joy. The, the football team has really sucked a lot of that out of me. And 
you know, they did their part. We saw the sheriff put on a show. The sheriff, Nate Yarnell, um, attended the basketball game Friday night. They did more of their winning ways. I'm starting to get really excited about basketball. And then the other team, I can't can't lie to you. I don't haven't watched or kept up with the women's soccer team or the wrestling teams. But I know that all of those programs have been ex- ex- exponentially more successful than the football team has been this season. So Heather like doing a damn good job up there. Victory Heights will be built and up and running very soon. We see we and see, to live up to its name. Yeah, we see the beginnings of it on our walks up to the Pete before the basketball games. Um, so football, once you guys figure figure it out, we're gonna be uh, cooking with gas here. But unfortunately, a lot of our lives revolve around the football team. Yeah, a lot of pit sports, um, you know, especially wrestling and both of the soccer teams, uh, it's kind of like a really dependable savings account. You know, it's you don't you don't have to pay attention to it, but you know it's earning five percent, and like it's it's getting the job done, and you, you check in on in on it. You know when when you have a you know like you need to buy a couch or what's something more fun than a couch? Like a TV, probably a car, a house. And then you check in and it's like, yeah, everything's going according to plan. This is this is a well-oiled machine. But we'll uh we'll we'll give them a little bit more shine as as they get closer and closer to that ultimate goal of uh national championships. But uh, as far as the other three sports, where do we want to start? It was really sweet being in a packed Peterson event center for volleyball. That was my second match. Dave, that was your first. I'm guessing it lived up to the hype. Oh, absolutely. That was that was probably one of, if not a top three most electric sporting events I've attended this year. Like that that took the cake from a lot of Steeler games I've been to. And I'm not yeah. saying that to be hyperbol- hyperbolic. Like the flow of the game and having like an intense crowd at a volleyball match is like non-stop wall-to-wall action electricity crowd involvement the whole gamut it was it was really really remarkable you know for a first time uh attendee it had everything you'd ask for you had record attendance it had rivals going at it two top 10 teams a lot of acc title implications uh it had a huge comeback i think Every set was extremely back and forth. So Pitt was down early, but you're on your the edge of your seat up until that final point when Louisville would pull away. And then they just didn't give up and they pulled off the gosh darn comeback. Yeah, so I guess to to take you through the whole thing, um Pitt takes a lead in the first set, drops it. Pitt takes an even bigger lead. In the second set, drops it. So that one was bad. That was that was really bad. I think they lost like five or six in a row to blow a big lead. So yeah, that you thought I, that was the backbreaker. Oh yeah, certainly. Like like it, everyone was down, very nearly out, no momentum. It kind of felt like it would have been a good time to grab your free T-shirt 
throw it over your shoulder and head to the parking lot. But uh, boy, are we are we glad we didn't? And and are we glad that uh, we asked Cat Flood to explain to us what a reverse sweep was on the last episode? Because then we knew what the thing that was about to happen was. Yeah, that was very poetic. As I thought of it, I don't know, maybe in the fourth set, I was like, wait a second. We talked to Cat about this in the last episode. I didn't say it out loud because I didn't want to jinx it. But as soon as they got that final point in the fifth set, which was extremely dramatic, you couldn't ask for more drama. I was like, oh, my gosh. We saw the future in the last episode. I just yeah, thought so- of how variably like the time could go in volleyball matches. I mean, I guess I always I knew that, but like that could have just ended there. Instead, there were just what three more set or two more sets, two additional sets. Yeah, I know it's like uh, being down three zero. The Yankees, Red Sox, back in 04. It's like don't let us win this one. Don't let us win the next one. Fifth set, anything can happen. Yeah, Dylan, I actually uh, remarked on that to Squid on the way out because uh, that match was a full three hours. And I don't know why, but I walked in there thinking that volleyball matches were like uh, like clinical. Like you're, you're, you're maxing out at, at an hour 45 there. But I have no complaints because that was three hours of pure adrenaline and gamesmanship. And I loved every second of it it's just so fast paced and having what was it 8856 we'll call it 10,000 just call it an even 10,000 yeah we'll round up there are or 10,000 it sounded like a million inside of the peat that just made it so much better and you have to think the crowd played a factor so Gonna pat our backs again here, David. Congrats to us. Fun fact for the listeners: David and I, only two out of the group that went to the Pitt Louisville football game, that stayed until the very end. We had a a few people who were underdressed and not prepared for the rain and were annoyed with Pitt football and left early. But not David and I. We stuck it out. Pitt volleyball. Just the two of us holding it down to the Pitt. Moral of the story there is we are the Cardinal Killers. Mm-hmm. If you need Pitt to beat Louisville, give us a call. We will show up. We may or may not understand the rules of the sport that is being played, but you will win. Yeah, I wasn't at either, so we might need to figure that out for future future contests against Louisville. I think the basketball team will be fine without us. Louisville's abysmal, so we'll test it for other sports. So, Dylan, what you're saying is if you hadn't made the trip to Kentucky last year, Pitt would have won 10 football games again. Wow. Wow. I hope that's not the case. Hmm. We'll have to keep on an eye on that moving forward. But, uh, but Squid, I'd love to hear, you know, we're kind of outsiders to this sport. Um any any observations you have, keys to the game, or, or who really stood out to you? Oh, boy. Well, as the most qualified to talk about this in the podcast, seeing as how I've watched 
a handful of games each year on my phone. Uh, I think there's a really good team. You saw on uh, Twitter just now, Rachel Fairbanks won setter of the week. And Tori Stafford won ACC uh, offensive player of the week. So there was kind of fire in all cylinders. Yes, Quid, and I don't think those were even really like two of the players that stood out to the naked eye or to the inexperienced eye because to me, Olivia Babcock and uh, Valeria Vazquez Gomez, they looked like the real stars. Uh, Vazquez Gomez must have shoulders made of rubber bands because the amount of torque she was getting spiking the ball over and like like maybe attempted a hundred spikes and was just like unbothered completely. My right side of my body would have fallen off after three of those because the way you get up and you contort yourself and the amount of like strength and torque you put into trying to spike looks like something that would kill a lesser person, i.e. me. Also, Olivia Babcock is just the truth. That's a freshman. They're going to build a statue for her. Yeah, my analysis is she hits the ball absurdly hard, and it's, like, scary. You could hear people, like, around in the crowd every time she would spike and just go, Jesus Christ, what was that? Yeah, that was mostly me. I was very <laughs> I was very scared. Like, the thought of having to stand in front of one of those made me shit myself a little bit. But I, I have a kind of unorthodox MVP for this game. Uh, so bear with me for a second. Uh, so Pitt goes down two sets. And, you know, Louisville's cruising. We steal one back. Awesome, but Louisville's still in control. And then they came out firing, absolutely firing in the fourth set. Pitt takes the lead, all the momentum in the world crowds into it the girls are into it and then what does louisville do a little bit of gamesmanship there so apparently allegedly there was a, a little bit of blood got on the floor i don't know if someone like busted a, a finger or something but allegedly i didn't see anyone attended to but allegedly there was blood on the floor so they stopped the game at like the peak of Pitt's momentum stop the game oh Oh, uh, Mr. Mr. Court caretaker person, there's a spot there. Oh, okay, you got it. Okay. Oh, wait, 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 there's a spot there. They legitimately did this like a dozen times, like just pointed out little spots on the floor, dragged it out as much as possible. And what I felt and what people who knew volleyball behind me felt, and I'm going to go by that because they knew what was going on, was like a clear attempt at some gamesmanship to kill the momentum. But that whole time, Someone who I've kind of made fun of in my head quietly for years now stepped up for Pitt, and that was DJ B. Wren. For years, I've wondered, why the hell does Pitt have just like a DJ on retainer for sporting events? Well, that guy played every like hype song, third down and long song, touched it like every high school varsity basketball team mixtape song you could think of to keep the crowd in it 
the the girls were on the on the floor that and that was the big difference to me that was the turning point louisville was just standing around trying to slow things down and everyone in a pit jersey was dancing they were they're were celebrating they're getting the crowd into it the crowd was raucous and then we finally resume and and they really really went uh foot to gas and i know what you're thinking David, the Loyal Suns don't cover a lot of women's sports. In fact, women's volleyball is pretty much the only one up to this point. Did you really just uh, give the MVP of the biggest pit volleyball win maybe ever to like a 30-year-old dude? And to that I would say, shit, you kind of got me there. Not a good look. But I I do think it's worth acknowledging because it would have been very easy for... uh, for Pitt to kind of come out flat out because I mean, Louisville was really milking it. It would have been easy for Pitt to come out flat, but the concerted effort to keep everyone loose and in it. And the, like the crowd was not letting up for that entire amount of time. I, I just think that that's something worth calling out because they, they kept that momentum going and, and won the whole damn thing. So I'm never ever going to make fun of, DJ B Ren or Pitt for having a DJ on retainer ever again. I'm glad you mentioned that because as you were saying that, I was like, this sounds so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, really? You attend a woman's sporting event and the MVP is a DJ. So thank you for uh, making your misogyny known. And that's what we call a bit. Well, he's also the DJ for the football team, right? How about we? We mix things up for that. Sure. No I think comment. the much, much less of an impact in those games. Maybe it's as if he has no effect on the matches at all, but now we'll, we'll go with your theory. My MVP will be Rachel Fairbanks. Here's going to be the DJ dude. So moving on. So yeah, that was that was women's volleyball. Uh, congrats to them. I know Louisville's been the monkey on their back forever. I know how bad, like specifically, Cat wanted this. Um, so one of their last games at the Pete for them to have that big of a win against a team that has been—we can say it now because we won killing them for years. That is huge going, you know, towards tournament time. So. Uh, and I understand that that's going to help with seating as well. So shout out to those girls. That was awesome. Shout out to everyone that showed up. And uh, let's win a natty. Would love a natty. Yeah, there's a chance with that win they can host the first round or two of the NCAA tournament. So as long know. as those uh, rankings come out in our favor, you might get another chance to go pack the peat. Wow. Do I have to stay home if that happens? Or only if they play Louisville? Well, I was really worried about that, Dylan. I had only been to one prior match. It was against Oregon, who was also a top 10 team. And Pitt also lost the first two sets of that one. They won the next two to force a fifth. But they just didn't have enough gas left in the tank to pull off. Uh the reverse sweep that time i'm like oh my gosh if this happens again i'm at both of them that would be two home losses all season the same way and i'm at both of them so if that was the case i would ban myself but 
we can confirm that it wasn't me. I'm not the bad luck guy. So Dylan, I think we'll allow you just as long as they're not playing Louisville, because that is a theory. Yeah, we, we can't. Yeah, we can't fuck around with that one. Can't wait. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis. There's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. All right, on to football. Your Pitt Panthers are now the winners of three, count them, three football games in the 2023 season, including two against FBS opponents. And one more against a top 10 team than another school in the state. Noted. What a odd season this has been. And by odd, I mean terrible. Bad, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, I mean, something really promising happened in that game against Boston College. I agree. That was the Nate Yarnell show. Validation for all of those who, for the last two years, said we need to start that kid who played against Western Michigan. We laughed. We mocked. We questioned their football guyness. But holy shit, they might have been right. I'll be the first to step up and say that I have been one of the loudest people in telling those people that they they are wrong in calling for Nate Yarnell. Um, these past couple weeks, I came around to him just because of the subpar play of Christian Veyer, but I was in the camp of, you know, this guy has been on the roster. The coaches see him every day. He can't be all that good if they haven't given him a shot yet. I've heard from other sources, other people saying that, ah, oh, they see him in practice. The coaches don't think he's any good. I'll, I'll I'll eat that one. Nate Yarnell balled out. He looked the part of a Division One quarterback. The arm talent. Uh, how many times are we going to say that today? The arm talent. The poise. Honestly, the the legs a little bit too on some of those read options. Nate Yarnell looked the part. Didn't look scared. Didn't look like they were holding anything back in the offense. And uh, I was impressed. And I'm I'm all aboard on the, the Nate Yarnell hype train. I do think it's funny. It was Pitt's first drive. Yarnell completes a deep ball. I believe it was to Epps the first time, but it was like pretty far back across the body throw that you don't love to see whenever they release it, but it ended up working. So we're like, all right, gunslinger. 
and then a few plays later, he takes a shot deep. It's kind of in the double coverage. It's offline, and it's ruled an interception. And we're like, well, it was fun while it lasted. That was just kind of <laughs> ridiculous. And then they review it. Clearly, it wasn't intercepted. Dodged the bullet. And from there on out, he looked really comfortable. I don't know what we thought was going to happen. We probably got brought down back to earth when we saw that terrible almost interception. But after that, he was calm, cool, and collected. And we've said that a couple times about quarterbacks this year, but he played a very solid game start to finish. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really leery about making any assessments about his future as a quarterback or Pitt's future with him at quarterback because, gosh, I already did that once this year, didn't I? But thought we, had we all guy, did. Huh? We thought we had our guy. Uh, maybe we have two guys. Maybe we have zero guys. But either way, I question I got to ask you guys, that pump fake to pull the safety in and then hitting Bub Means over top for like a 70-yard touchdown is the best play by a pit quarterback since... I mean, Nick Patty. His scramble. That game-winning drive. Oh, yeah. I'll give it to him. The scramble... Phil I think didn't he... do anything like that. I mean, Slovis, what was his best play? Uh, that time he threw it 10 yards to Bart, and then Bart hurdled a guy. Uh, I was going to say, down, he threw to Izzy. I was going to say the, the dime he threw to Bub Means in the back of the end zone that Bub Means deflected in the air and was intercepted. Enough. Okay. I like Saturday's Bub Means play a little bit better than that. Squid, I, I kind of agree with you. I was actually going to say since the fake slide. And I think you could make that argument, but no, that's that's a good callback. But yeah, I mean, that was, I, I don't want to get too hyped up on him, but like, that was big time. He had a couple throws that were big time. He He made his reads. I haven't seen a quarterback in Pittsburgh do that in a while. Left, middle, right, back to the middle. Absolute dart over the middle to Epps or to Means or to Mumfield. Um, and Dylan, you, you said it with the arm talent thing. I hate arm talent arguments. I think that's just a phrase people throw around to sound smart or to hype up prospects that aren't actually that good, but people want to convince themselves they can turn into a real quarterback. But he just he threw the ball so effortlessly, and it went so fast and so far. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. There are a few plays that I was like, huh, haven't seen that yet this year. And they weren't like extraordinary downfield throws. It was just look at this guy to the left, come back to the right, decisive, right at his chest, first down. We're not yeah. asking him to do too much. The one I remember, it was to Mumpfield. Um, I want to say it, it could may have even been the same drive as the Bub Means touchdown. I could be getting my timeline mixed up here but yeah uh, Mumfield just ran a tough little route like an out and in and it got 10 yards it was right at the sticks for the first down but Yarnell just kind of slung it right where it needed to be into a somewhat tight window put it like right where 
it was easy enough for Mumfield to catch it, easy enough for him to turn up for the first down. And I was like, wow, that looked big, like a play that wasn't that easy or that typical of a play to make. And he made it look pretty, pretty elementary. So look, he went 11 for 19. I'm not going to say he's the next Kenny Pickett, that he's the guy. I mean, the guy trademark trademark emoji that everyone wants to tell but i saw enough from him that i would like to see him have a chance um and i'm sure we're gonna talk for the next two months about who Pitt should and will get in the portal but i saw enough from yarnell last night and this could change by saturday depending on how the duke game goes but i saw enough from him last night where i i've fully talked myself into him being good good enough to be a starter next year so i, I would like to, we... real quick david this you know i'll say this to the end of the arnell talk so you go first i was i was gonna ask if we should wait until next week to play the how many games do we win with him starting game one um no today's, we... today's the right day to do it today's the right day okay, all right i was just say something very similar we were talking and talking talking and it's like well how soon are people going to say this is a one team with nate yarnell and it took like seconds a few plays do you guys buy that at all i mean i mean you can give me exact game figures if you want but i'm not ready to give this team enough of a pass to say Oh yeah, there. This was a team that, with the right quarterback, is capable of eight wins. Eight, absolutely not. Eight, but no. So I was pretty certain that Pitt could have beat either Cincinnati or West Virginia, or both Cincinnati and West Virginia, if Vair was playing in those games. Like going back and playing the same game with Vare. Um Wake Forest, I mean, I thought Vare played pretty good against them, so that feels like a game they would probably still lose. It depends. Would is Nate Yarnell a slide or dive forward guy? Because that could be a big factor. I think we saw on Thursday night that he, he seems to lower his shoulder. He likes to mix it up a little bit. Plus he's like eight feet tall, so you have to kind of factor that into it. He's also he's also a worse runner than Vare. He's just he's just twenty and six six, so it looks like he's a little bit faster because of those leg strides. He's a little harder to bring down, but Vayer's a better runner. He's not as good at uh he's better at running the read option than Vayer. Yes, he can hand a football off. Yeah. See, all of this also changes because it goes back to like how good would Vayer have been if he would have just been the guy throughout camp or right. even from game one with those when the, with the necessary reps. So let me let me mark me down for bull eligible with Nate Yarnell. I yeah, I sure. want to I want to future proof this before we go any further. We're assuming that the version of Nate Yarnell that played on Thursday is playing in all these games. I just don't want this to come back and bite us if he sucks against Duke. But so, yeah, we're talking about the version of Nate Yarnell we saw against BC. But Squid, go ahead. I just thought of this whenever Dylan was talking about how. What was your exact wording, Dylan? 
you know what? I'm just going to make fun of the coaches. I forget how you phrased it, but it sparked something. I think you said Yarnell's just a gamer. I don't know what he looks like in practice. Maybe he just goes out on Saturdays and, and plays well. But after the game, Narduzzi said that Nate Yarnell is probably the smartest quarterback that we have. It's like knowing the offense, and I assume that everything that comes along with that. But I don't get it. How is he third on our depth chart then? Yeah, usually smart quarterbacks that can throw a ball a mile with the flick of a wrist. Like how bad was he practicing if he's like that smart and knows what he's doing but can't get ahead of Vayer and and Jerkovic? I mean, I... Shiny new toys. We brought in two transfers. We've seen this other guy before. Our shiny new toys are here and we want to use them. Is that it, maybe? Plus, Signetti gets no benefit of the doubt when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. He picked the wrong one last year. We all saw that. And he might have picked the wrong one this year twice. And Narduzzi is very happy to defer blame on that because he only he only spends 15% of his time with the offense, right? He doesn't make those calls. Ask Coach Signetti. So I'm inclined to blame Signetti for that one. We're so playing this the blame whole game. point to say, maybe Yarnell is just a gamer. When the lights are on, he's better than how he looks. Right. Monday through Friday. Seemed like our old friend Keaton Sloves was a Monday to Friday warrior, and then the lights would come on and he'd shrivel up a little bit. That Yarnell might just be the opposite. So I think that's our best hope moving forward for now at least. Yeah, and this old conversation could sound completely insane come Saturday afternoon. So we'll see how that yeah. plays out. I, I would like to talk about something other than the quarterback situation. Uh, first order of business, Rodney Hammond, 145 yards, career high rushing. 15 carries, 145. Looked like the Rodney Hammond we expected to see this season. And... Sealed the game with the 66-yard touchdown. The breakaway speed that we really haven't seen from Rodney Hammond in his career. Um, I tweeted out when it happened at the game. I saw Rodney Hammond, like, pleading with Andre Powell. Like, no, let me go in. I'm good. Like, let me go in. I don't know what the conversation was. I just saw the tail end of it, and I saw Andre Powell, like, wave him. Like, with his play sheet or clipboard, whatever he was holding. Rodney Hammond runs into the huddle. Sebo runs out. Uh, two, three plays later, Rodney Hammond house call ices the game. I would love to know why Rodney Hammond wasn't in the game at that point. I'd love to know why Rodney Hammond wasn't in the game for like the last 10 games. I mean, that, that was very validating for us one. So I guess we can feel a little bit good about it. We were right. We're smart. No one's ever really accused us of that before. But like, holy shit, where was this the whole season? You have you have two running backs, and one is so clearly better that every fan knows it. Every statistic points to it. Yet we insist on trotting Sebo out and giving him four or five more carries than Hammond a game but not really even 
trying much with our running game in the first place. I just got a thought that our running game was screwed, whether it's the line, the running backs, a combination of just a terrible offense. So I didn't really think it mattered who was back there at this point because I just didn't think it would work. But for whatever reason, it did on Saturday, Thursday, Thursday. How could I forget that was a Thursday night game? Yeah, I'd like to say I I like Sebo a lot. I think he, I mean, by all accounts, is a great teammate, great great locker room guy. Um, he ran for 100, over 100 yards in the weight game. Like he's a capable. I would say backup running back in the ACC and can spell your number one guy. But it started to feel like he had overtaken Rodney at points during the season as the top tailback. And anything outside of Rodney being injured, I I just don't see any excuse for it because we've seen Rodney Hammond the previous two seasons and we've seen flashes of it this year. I mean, this is a real deal. This is a guy before the season we were talking about could be first team all ACC running back. Yes. And here we are 11 games in. He has 106 carries for 526 yards. I mean, it's a criminal, like fireable offense by Andre Powell and the rest of the offensive coaching staff for allowing this to happen. Yeah, pretty pretty unthinkable if you ask me. We're gonna do a post mortem after the season, and we're, right. we're already we're already working on this um, together. So just to let you, the listener, know that we have it, it's going to be in depth, it's going to be extensive, and we are going to trace what's gone wrong with this program from like clock hitting zero against Syracuse in 2021 to today. And I'm certain this is going to come up, but like, holy shit, man. Just, just give him 40 carries against Duke and hope he stays. Fingers crossed. Um, any, anything else we liked from this game? I don't know if it was because of a senior night or if it was just a new week, new quarterback. Thursday night against Boston College, and there was a little bit more juice. But it was nice to see the team didn't just roll over and kind of phone it in. The last stretch of the season has been uh, depressing. They've been blown out by good teams. They've been pushed around by bad teams. It can be very easy for everything to just go to shit and be like, whatever, half of us are going to transfer. No one wants to be here right now, and phone it in who cares if you lose to Boston College but defense played strong they all had a career day good to see the team showing some signs of life despite the worst season of our lifetime happening can I talk about something I didn't like just like real quick go for it yeah they the middle of the defense is simply going to need to be addressed either via the portal or via some other way. Robichaux ran all over them. And this has been a recurring theme. And this is why I don't even know if I buy that this team would be bull eligible had Yarnell or Veyer started the whole season. Um, 
they've been gashed all year. 150 yards to a tight end, 120 uh, to Robichaux. Um, Virginia Tech, it's weak and soft. I I don't know if I see six wins on this schedule, even with well above average quarterback play. And it is directly because this is the softest defense of the Narduzzi era, even counting those year, the Matt Canada years where we were scoring 42 points a game and still only winning seven, eight games because the defense was that bad. Yeah, my counter to that would be, I mean, they only allowed 16 points. Some of these losses, I mean, West Virginia, they allowed 17 points. Cincinnati turned out to be 27. Um, Virginia Tech was bad. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame, we don't we don't need to discuss that. It was held Florida State to 24 points. Like, although it's not the typical, like, dominating Narduzzi defense of you're not going to run the ball on us, you have to throw the ball for 400 yards. Um, I don't think it's as, like, I, I think everything, the issues with this team and the how pathetic this season came out to be, comes down to the offense, comes down to the quarterback play, and just the incompetence on that side of the ball. Um, that, that's how I see it. I, I think there's also the mental side of things of like, yeah, we're getting stop after stop here, and our offense can't provide any type of juice. So, sure, it's not a dominating defense like we've seen from some of Narduzzi's teams, but um, I that's that's why I'm willing to say bull eligible with Yarnell. I've seen some random stats and charts on the internet that I'm just going to blindly believe that said this is a top 20 defense based on a number of metrics still, which is surprising, but maybe just not as good as we're used to. So with a better offense, I'm sure the defense looks a lot better, like Dylan said. A lot of holes, though. Probably a lot more holes after next week, but that's... Something we'll dive into when we get there. Are we there now? Do we want to? Do we want to talk about uh, what we need to see against Duke and who we think is playing in their last game as a Panther? Let's do it. Excellent, Dill. You want to kick us off? This this counts as a preview. We're we're done with the sports book. I ran away with it. We're extending that into basketball season. Um, Yo. What do we want to see? I, I think it's pretty simple for me. I want to see Nate Arnell look good again. Uh, let him sling it a little bit. Let him take some shots. If he plays to the same level or better uh, compared to his performance against Boston College, then I'm going to get really excited about him for next season. And I'm going to talk myself into him being the guy over the next nine months. Um other areas, you know, I'd love to see Rodney Hammond get the ball. I'd love to see the defense stand up for themselves and not let the ball get run down their throat. But first and foremost, the only reason to tune into this game is to watch how Nate Yarnell plays quarterback. Hard to disagree. Yeah, I don't even know what else to say. If Nate Yarnell looks pretty solid, they'll be reassuring to know they'll have at least one 
quarterback capable of winning games entering next year, pending whoever comes in the portal. And outside of that, I'm not really getting my hopes up because at this point, I'm not really expecting anybody to stay. I'm just going to go out into the sunset of this season being over and expecting everybody good to transfer away. So anybody who stays will be a pleasant surprise. That's my mindset. Is that more about trying to set an expectation for yourself, or do you believe that we're going to see a mass exodus? What do you consider a mass exodus? Well, I guess it's relative for Pitt, because Dews has done a great job of retaining talent, but, I mean, I don't know, a lot. I think in 2023, if you go 3-9 and nine or 4-8 and eight as a Power 5 team, you're going to lose 20, 20 players. Yeah, whenever I think mass exodus, there were one year there's a Tennessee team that had like 24 dudes in the portal. West Virginia got decimated a year or two ago. I don't know if it'll be that bad. I can see it being like like 12 to 15, but of that 12 to 15, a few are guys that key guys started. So we'll probably lose a lot of guys, and it's like, whatever, we have three other of you that are on the depth chart. So maybe a little bit more of those because in years past, those guys, they trusted the process. They knew that they were on a good team. So it just Mm -hmm. was a matter of them taking a jump or the guy ahead of them leaving. When you're this bad, you don't have that kind of patience. So I think we'll get a few more of those guys. And then I don't know. You look around the receiver room. Everyone's, going to be chomping at the bit for our tight end. I mean, anywhere. Anyone's up for grabs. Dayon said he's coming back. So I, I believe that he's going to come back. He wouldn't publicly say he's going to come back to Pitt next year with a week left in the season if he wasn't going to come back. I know right. college football is crazy, but I feel like outside of him, anything could happen. P.J. O'Brien tweeted the peace symbol. Everyone jumped to well, guess he's leaving Pitt. It's just the world we live in. Yeah. A lot of the things I want to see in the game this week are related to keeping guys in the portal. I want someone to sit down and hit with him and be like, all right, how many carries? How much do we have to demonstrate that we're going to run the offense through you in the future for you to stay? Because I, I really think he needs we have We have a young stable of running backs, but they're young. They're going to be very new. Yes, seeing Willis, if we can hold on to him, we'll probably contribute next year, but I'd really love to have Hammond, so give him the ball. And there's a lot of young guys who Dews has been hesitant to put in games or has been building in slowly, guys who have gotten a lot of hype, who I I just want to see playing the whole game. Show them that you're committed to them, and I want to see them look very good so I can feel something going into next season. Lovelace, Bass, Fitzsimmons. Give me, give me the young, hyped up and coming guys, and, and show show me that this football team is going to be good in the future, and show them that they matter, they're a part of it, and they should stay. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I was going to say kind of like the Sun Bowl last year. How we dare saw you! All of those guys step up in the last game of the year and got our hopes up. They're like, hey, this is what we got coming back next year. And it just didn't work out that way. But 
Forget I said that. I agree. This is their bowl game. You got one more shot at it against Duke. See if you can take them down. So, with that being said, can we can we say who we think is most likely to be playing their last game in a pit uniform? Obviously, non-seniors who are out of eligibility. Phil Dracovic. Smartass. Um, Gavin Bartholomew? Well, he's actually not playing. He's out. He's out hurt. That was the that yes, was we, can, we can strike that one. Did play his last game in a pit uniform. Yeah, Slash has already played their last game. I and and we want to do this now, right? Because by the time the game ends, we could start to already hear news of guys who are putting their name in the portal, whatever it may right. be. So that's why we're doing it now. Um, we we've talked about this topic probably since what week three or I actually even last season. I mean, if, if Gavin Bartholomew is going to have one more season of eligibility playing college football, um, he needs to go somewhere where he knows he's going to be used and be a focal point of the offense. Um, and so far Pitt has wasted two of his seasons. Yeah. So I think he's at the top of the board. And also he's he's a type of player who I mean, he's six five, two fifty, athletic. I mean, one of his plays was number one on sports. People outside of Pittsburgh know who he is. Yeah. So there's gonna be a market for him, whereas some of these other guys we think may leave. Um like I look at even like a Rodney Hammond, like as much as we know Rodney is good, he's a he's a kind of undersized running back who's only ran for 500 yards each season he's played in college. Uh, but Bart's the type of guy who's going to have a market. I I think what we're really going to get hurt is uh, receiver depth. Um, there was a sizable crew of freshman receivers who came in and got kind of left in the dust by Kenny Johnson. Uh, Zion Fowler L., Izzy Polk and Lamar Seymour. Lamar Seymour. I think they're going to see how far behind Kenny Johnson they are. They're going to see like, oh, well, Mumfield and Means could both hypothetically come back. They're going to see the offense that Pat Narduzzi likes to run, and they're going to say, yeah, deuces. I think we're going to lose at least two of those three guys. And that's not based on any inside information. That's just how I feel. That seems like almost a guarantee that at the end of the season, whether they meet with the coach, the coach tells them like, Hey, here's where you stand. There's like seven guys in front of you, including incoming freshmen. Stay if you want, but the writing's on the wall. It's got to shake out one way or the other. I think an area where we'll probably be okay is defensive back. Just because you look at the guys that you're losing and it's like, hey, someone's got to step up. We're losing Woods. Uh, Marquez Williams. Marquez Williams and did probably Devin, Devin Shire. Shire. Yeah. I believe he did. So by need, those guys might stick around. I don't know. 
I might be too little too late for Rodney Hammond. That might be my prediction. David or Dylan, you said just give him like 35 carries to make him happy this week. But I don't know if one week will change his mind after what's happened this season. I know Sebo will be gone. The room will be a little bit lighter. You have some young guys behind them. They'll probably mix in a little bit, but maybe he's like, I don't like this offense. I know what this team is. I'm going to go ahead and see what I can do elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, with Rodney, he the, he was already in a running back room that he was clearly the man, the best running back. And even if he returns and knows that's the case for next year, why? how does he know anything will change? Unless there's been conversations with the coaches. Um, so, like I said... I don't know if Rodney's been banged up or what it's been, but if there's not something like clearly that he is aware of that limited his use this year, then I think he's it's deuces for him. Can we talk about something happier now? No. Um, well, this might be happier depending on what you think of it. I, I have in our notes here, last game in a pit uniform slash polo. So what coaches mm-hmm. are getting oh. the the old axe signetti it, it's his last game as a pits offense it has yeah. to be no i don't want to i don't want to i'm dead serious when i say i do not want to keep doing this show if it's covering a frank signetti offense next year i really do not want to that's a lock no. right like oh yeah 99.9 percent. yeah i think he would be gone already if it wasn't for his yins or ties if he didn't say yins uh wasn't from western pa he'd be gone by a few weeks ago but they're gonna let frank retire walk away i think and then yeah it seems like nardu is a little bit fed up with him too the way that he seems to throw him under the bus saying the quarterbacks are his problem so he's got to be gone uh it, it seems like the last two seasons You've been hearing that Borbley is going to retire. I don't know if he's a good coach or not. One week, the O-line's great. The next week, they suck. Year in, year out, it's different. That's the other one that you hear all the time. Powell could be in some trouble. I was going to say, Just can we... The handling of the running back situation and, is... and special... Yeah, I mean, he, he covers two position groups that were lackluster this year. I think he's just a, a Narduzzi OG. Like him and Narduzzi have been together for so long. I think he's just, just Narduzzi, Salem and Powell, just the three amigos. Doesn't matter how bad they're going to do. Narduzzi is going to keep them because he's loyal and he likes the way that they like work together and they're all on the same page. Even if it's like a stupid page with like terrible, ideas on it do we think taekwon underwood could be on the chopping block two years at pit receivers have not been overly impressive either season flip side of that he brought in by all accounts a really impressive freshman class of receivers this season is he someone is it too early to pull it on him or I'd be surprised if he would be fired. 
maybe I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a job elsewhere because we're not in a good spot right now. He's an awesome recruiter. Kenny Johnson was an unbelievable find, and I simply do not blame the lack of production from the receivers this year on him. They were open, typically. They caught balls, typically. I think it was on another guy in that offensive room who failed to get them the ball. Fair enough. Now now can now, we talk about something? A little now can we talk about basketball? Yeah. So our predictions, Pitt's going to win... 35 to 28. Your prediction. We all cool with that, guys. No, no, collective, collective. Yeah, anything to stop talking about football. Sure. Okay. Done. Now. Okay. Now that we're done talking about football, finally. And we'll be done for a good while pretty soon. Uh, We get to talk about the awesome basketball team that the University of Pittsburgh has right now. Through four games, they're 4 0. They're blowing teams out, most recently coming off a 50-plus point win over the Jacksonville Dolphins. Put up 107 points. Just an absolute clinic. Jacksonville looked like they didn't belong in the same arena as Pitt. And now things get interesting. Pitt starts to play some, some power opponents in the upcoming week. But before we hop to that... Viewing the game on Friday night, let's let's just talk about how how sick they looked. Where do we want to start? They're the best team ever. I'm looking up national championship odds right now. We were just having so much fun. It was like every possession, something really cool is happening. We were just turning to each other and high fiving and laughing and being like oh my god every possession yeah it was a if if it wasn't a Blake dunk it was a Bub Carrington 3 or it was a Guillermo dunk or a Sista Jorge like it was literally I mean you don't score 107 points in a college game without just putting on an absolute clinic shooting the ball scoring the ball moving the ball around Um, I believe they assisted on like something like 23 or 31 baskets. Uh, Those numbers probably aren't exactly right, but it was just an absolute show that they put on. And that's kind of become somewhat of a theme. I mean, they haven't scored less than, what is it, 83 points in a game yet this season? While you look it up, it was the defense too. Jacksonville State was objectively disturbingly bad. But the way that Pitt played on defense, it was just like you're playing against like your little brother in like the living room Nerf hoop. Just, oh, you're going up for a layup? Yeah, see you later. Swatted across the room. And they couldn't get any good looks. This team is good. We were talking about it the other day. We have not played a very good team yet. FGCU might be decent. Jerry's out. Other teams, not good. But just if you watch basketball and you watch that game, that's a tough team. Yeah. High major teams lose by games all the time. If you follow John Rothstein on Twitter, it's 
who who so and so loses a bye game to so and so, the epitome of brutality. And it happens every night in college basketball. Mm-hmm. And Pitt has absolutely poured it on these lower level teams early on. And I don't want to get too comparative to last year's team because it's very different situations. Uh, you have a core of guys on this year's team that played last year who has won games last year was just kind of building that foundation. But I mean, compare this year's team to where last year's team was compare this year's team's depth to where last year's team could play and be comfortable with maybe seven guys. And I just said, I don't want to compare this team to last year's team, but here I go and comparing them in every facet, knowing how good last year's team played at points and then watching this year, I'm like, last year we were an 11 seed. I, I've talked myself into pick being like a, a four seed come March. Plus 20,000 to win the national championship. And I am punishing it. Because at the very least, I know at some point this season, I'll be able to cash out at like a pretty ridiculous little profit. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna ride this one out and we're gonna win a national championship. Just food for thought for those of you out there. National championship odds are tough, but like even to win the ACC regular season title, they're 22 to 1. So I got a little action on that. I mean, we're going to learn a lot about this team in the upcoming week, but so far, you've basically gotten everything you could ask for. Dylan, it took me a minute to find the box score and the exact team, but talked about how we're just pouring it on bad teams and Power 5 teams lose bad games all the time. One of Pitt's future opponents, Missouri, lost to Jackson State as 22-point favorites the other day. So happens all the time. Remember last year, this Pitt basketball team, they were losing 34-31 to to Alabama State at the Pete. Was there- yeah, I think that was like, was that during a Steeler game? Or was it on an NFL Sunday? It was it was absolutely a game that I should I had no business actually watching at that point because we thought I'm the team sucked again. Pretty sure I was traveling. I don't know if I was at a wedding, but I remember looking at it being like, "What the fuck is happening?" I thought we were were decent. They were three and zero at the time. Oh, they're two and three at the time, so they weren't even playing that well. Alabama State zero and five, but they poured it on there and they ended up winning. But I think William and Mary was a close game too for a while. Took them until like the the 10 minute mark of the second half to pull away. So it's very different. This team, I don't know if they're already better than last year's team, but they're at least starting off a lot better and they're clicking with each other a lot better. You can see that the chemistry it's there. Good teams win. Great teams start four and against the spread. Mm-hmm. If you haven't been on pit to cover in the first half full game and their team total over, you're missing out. Just, Giving away free money. Yeah, Vegas might catch up here pretty soon, but until they do, I'm going to keep profiting off this Pitt Panthers team. So another blowout win. They've looked amazing. We're excited. But this is a big week coming up here. So Thanksgiving week, and we've got the the NIT. Uh, is it the preseason NIT? I don't even know what they officially call this tournament. Uh, the season tip-off. The NIT season tip-off. Okay. Uh, there might have been some rebranding. I do remember it being called the preseason NIT at one point. Anyway, heading up to Brooklyn. 
playing in the Barclays Center in an NBA arena, and you take on Wednesday on Thanksgiving Eve, they face off against the Florida Gators. So this is their first high major opponent of the season. Uh, Florida comes in at three and one. Florida's a little more battle tested than Pitt is thus far. Uh, they have so far played uh, Loyal Maryland. They won by 20. They lost a close one, lost by three to UVA, uh, beat Florida A&M, and then just beat Florida State by 21 the other night. Now, Florida State was terrible last year. I don't know what they're going to look like this year. I'd imagine not much better because they lost Marcus Cleveland to Miami. But um, Florida's played at least a couple of high major opponents already. So will be interesting to see how we match up in the first game that Pitt plays a big-time opponent. First game for Bub Carrington, Jalen Lowe, playing against high, high major competition. Yeah, I don't know how talented Florida is. They beat Virginia, but Virginia currently has 18 points at halftime against Wisconsin. So Well, they, they lost to Virginia. Yeah, you, sorry, got that backwards. Either way, we don't know how good Virginia is. We don't know how good any team really is. But Florida might have that upper hand because they've played in those tougher environments. They've played some better competition than Pitt has. So maybe Pitt isn't ready for the moment yet. Maybe they come out a little slow, have a few more dry spells than usual. But I don't think that'll happen. I'm like very, very confident that this is just a great basketball team. Have you? Yeah. When was the last time you were this excited for a pit basketball game in November? I'm like pretty sure Dewan Blair was on the squad. Yeah, like I can't even remember being like, "Oh, the preseason on NIT coming up." Like, yeah, maybe when they were playing Duke at Madison Square Garden, and maybe, and they probably are the beneficiary of some of our fandom. Uh, not being put as much towards the football team. But no, seriously, like Wednesday night is appointment television for me and all of us. I know that for a fact because we've been planning what we're going to do for it for about a week and a half. I know you're, you are correct. Like I've been a part of that planning, but it's still so funny. Yes. What are you doing Wednesday at nine 30 the night before Thanksgiving? You're watching pit basketball. I'm drinking and I'm watching pit basketball. Do you, would you rather have really uncomfortable interactions with people you haven't seen since high school in a packed bar? Or would you rather anchor Dan on a buddy's couch with a personal 24-pack of Icy Light Mango and just go to town while Bub Carrington does his thing? I'm torn, what are you drink in the second half? <laughs> probably switch it up for some uh iced tea or whatever they call the the turners ict iced tea yeah i'm excited uh since we likely aren't going to film a show on thanksgiving day as far as far as i'm aware i haven't checked with our scheduler but i'd have to think that won't be happening uh do want to touch on in the tournament winner of this game plays the winner of Oregon State and Baylor. Baylor, interestingly enough, has a freshman of their own, Jacoby Walter, also considered a potential first-round slash lottery pick 
Uh, he's averaging 18 points a game for Baylor. Could be a very intriguing matchup between Bob Carrington and Jacoby Walter if both Pitt and Baylor win on Wednesday night. Don't want to get it ahead of ourselves. Just beat Florida. But that could be a really, really good early season test. Um, Florida's going to be a good test, but Baylor's ranked number 13 in the country right now. So could be super interesting to see those two face off on on Black Friday if if we get there. Um, losers, losers of the game will play each other as well. So Pitt either gets Baylor or Oregon State on Friday. You know what I want to see, guys? I'm going to see a, a little number next to the Pitt basketball team's name on the scoreboard when they take on Missouri next week. Oh, yeah. Ooh. No AP votes just yet, but I think that could change rather quickly. Wink, wink. Well, let's do it. Let's go 2-0 this week. Let's have a great... Another great week of pit sports. Maybe a victory on Saturday too. Huh? Huh? Hmm. 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 We'll see. We'll see. But exciting week for pit sports. Exciting week for all of us. Three day week for most of us. And then Thanksgiving, we get to stuff our face, play playing a turkey bowl that we don't stretch nearly enough for, and then sit on a couch all day, eat and drink. So. It's a great week ahead. I'm excited for more pit sports. Thankful for our pit sports teams and uh, thankful for Bob Carrington and Blake Henson. Guys, you got any, anything, any parting thoughts? Please a lot more. Volleyball's up to number three in the country. Let's go. Thankful for that. Awesome. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your holidays. Be safe. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. And as always, hail Loyal Sons of Pittsburgh. And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sons Show. The incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans, H2P.